you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're still working on our measurables. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. Randy is at the controls, and uh, we are getting closer to the draft, which is great. Although I guess I should first say to you, Florio, uh, happy opening day eve. I know this is not a baseball podcast. I don't care. But opening day is like tomorrow. And I was watching the Dodgers have some giant prospect who throws 100 miles an hour, like, you know, strikeouts Shohei Otani last night. So I'm a little bit, uh, little bit excited about that. I mean, it's just a matter of like how many games over 100 the Dodgers are going to win. <laughs> it feels like. Uh, probably. Um, although, you know what, I said that last year, too, and they ended up still a game behind the Giants. They didn't win the division last year, so, you know, unless the, unless the Giants are phenomenal again this year. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, the Dodgers won, like, 100-plus games. They didn't even win the division because the Giants were one game better uh, for most of the season. Um, also, sorry about DeGrom. It feels like you guys are... Uh, feels like the Mets I are all almost through. wore his jersey today, but I was like, I can't. Like, <laughs> it's... It, He's awesome, but he just can't stay on the field. Just, just can't stay healthy. Uh, and it's, it seems bad when Buck Showalter is talking about, you know, him like being like a midseason addition or like, you know, it's sort of like trading for a player at the deadline. I'm like, that that says to me that you're not expecting him back anytime soon. You got to love when teams try to put that spin up. Well, it's like we made a, a huge trade. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's like you're, you're getting back to where we thought we were. <laughs> to, to where we thought you'd be at the start of the season. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, excited. Baseball is actually back. They figured it out. Uh, and we're going to get a full season starting on Thursday. So that's great. Um, big show for you today, of course, as we're getting closer to the draft. 
want to start talking to people who are much smarter about this sort of thing than than I am. Uh, so to that end, we've got Emery Hunt on today. I always love talking to Emery. Always a good dude. Uh, he put out the. Uh, what is he what he's calling the largest draft guide in history i'm not one to argue with him there are over a thousand players in it uh so we'll get his take not on all thousand uh but we'll pick a few <laughs> we want to talk to him about uh, and get his thoughts on as we get closer to the draft but i want to start with uh, some news headlines things have sort of calmed down since the frenzy we had uh, a couple of weeks ago but still some things happening around the league the patriots and the dolphins two teams in the same division they made a trade uh Devontae parker is going from miami to new england and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that automatically makes him maybe the number one receiver there in new england um is he anything more though than a wide receiver too for fantasy I don't think so. I, I do agree with you. I think he's automatically the wide receiver one for New England now. I, I think this is great for him because he was going to be buried on the depth chart behind Waddle and Hill and probably Gusecki and, and maybe more. But for me, he seems like one of those receivers that I would like to draft as like a bench receiver. I, I don't think I would want him in my like to rely on him each week because Mac Jones, uh, he's very consistent on shorter passes, was a little bit inconsistent on deeper balls last year. But I think the arrow is definitely pointing up for Parker, someone that I'd be cool having as like my my fourth, third or fourth receiver, maybe as I'm a guy on the bench rather than someone that I would rely on. He had that one big year in uh, 2019, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. That was the, the vaunted Devontae Parker breakout year that we had been waiting for forever. Um, it's kind of dealt with some injuries the, the years after that. and hasn't quite hit that level, but uh, if he can stay on the field, he should see plenty of targets in an offense that has been looking for wide receivers for a long time. Um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I know I'm not the only one to say this, but for all the greatness of Bill Belichick, um, he's been pretty awful at scouting wide receivers. I mean, I know he, you know, they had Randy Moss and get it, Russ Welker, Julian Edelman have done some really nice things, but but generally speaking, the Patriots have been pretty bad about <laughs> about their wide receiver talent. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and for every success story, there's like three that didn't work out. Like Ocho Cinco was a was a Patriot for a year. Um, this also probably means they're giving up on Nikhil Harry, who they took in the first round just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I that was for me a swing and a miss because you know I watched Dang. him at Arizona State and I I really thought he could uh, you know blossom into something and I'm looking at it and uh, his best season, 309 yards, yeesh, 33 catches for 309. That was in 2020. So I would think the uh, Nikhil Harry experiment is probably done uh, in New England. Um, in Tampa. Gio Bernard is back, signs a one-year deal with the Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, we know that Leonard Fournette is still there, but Ronald Jones is gone. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is still there, too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is there a bigger role coming, or is he just sort of an emergency back for Tampa? I think that his role will be kind of what it's always been been for well outside of when you know like the starter gets hurt like I, I would anticipate him being like their third down back a, a good amount I, I think he'll be their two minute drill back for sure um but I, I pretty much expect this to be the Leonard Fournette show for the most part with him kind of spelling him uh in, in obvious passing down situations the thing about Ronald Jones is his pass protection is awful yeah <laughs> so like he, he was already leaving the field in those situations so I, I think Geo could be kind of like a I don't think he could be James White fully but he could be like a poor man's James White I'm thinking 
Yeah, I think that's probably fair. That is probably the, the closest thing. Um, weirdly, though, as we, I mean, as we talk about this, it gives me the feeling that I know we don't have a lot of true workhorse backs, right? There aren't a lot of guys out there that you can count on to get 300-plus touches. Um, but it feels like Leonard Fournette is sort of creeping toward that territory. Maybe he doesn't quite get there, but I just feel like with what they have on that roster, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Fournette you know, get 250. Touches. He had 249 last year. I think 250, 265 feels sort of legit for, for Leonard Fournette this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Leonard Fournette is an RB1. And, and I tweeted out the other day, like, my early top 12 running backs, and he was in my top 10, and no one even, like, said anything about it. So, like, it's weird because in early drafts that I've seen, like, he doesn't go as an RB1. You could get him where Leonard Fournette always is available in the middle rounds. But, like, I expect that to change come this summer. And I think Leonard Fournette, like you said, I think he's not only – can get those numbers. I think he's one of the safer bets uh, on volume this season. I think so too, um, especially because look, the the Bucks offense essentially is the same. Um, you know, Brady is back. We'll see what happens with Gronk, but uh, you know, Chris Godwin will be back and healthy at some point. Mike Evans is still there. Uh, you know, they go out and they get Russell Gage, who I think is a really nice addition to this team. Um, this offense still going to be pretty good. So uh, I don't see why Leonard Fournette as, you know, the, the main back in that, in that backfield uh, can't be pretty, pretty productive as you, well this year. Do you think they'll run a little, like Todd Bowles, I know always, I still think they're going to just throw a bunch because why wouldn't they? But like Todd Bowles, new head coach, he's, he does like to run. He does. Um, although I think if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm not going to tinker too much with what's been working, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, this team won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. They, they had a really good playoff run this year. Um, you know, you still got Tom Brady. I wouldn't mess with it too much, especially because I the way the, NF the NFC has shaken out, uh, I would be surprised if it's not Rams and Bucks in the NFC Championship game. Um, Same. You know, I mean, sure, weird things can happen, but that that is sort of what I'm anticipating right now. Uh, in Houston, they've got a new running back there. It is uh, former Colts running back Marlon Mack, who <clears throat> looked like he was on path to do big things and suffered the, the Achilles injury uh, that really sort of set him back. Um, it's hard to get excited about anyone in Houston. Can, can Marlon Mack have any fantasy relevance with the Texans? My first initial reaction when I saw this question was like, no, he's Marlon Mack. But then I looked at their depth chart and it's like him and Rex Burkhead competing for touches there. So I think he can be useful in fantasy similar to how he was uh, like when he first got drafted by the Colts and, and like he was never putting up high catch totals and, and he wasn't, you know, never going to confuse anyone like this guy could be an RB1, but like he was like a volume dependent RB2 I think he could do that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the Texans in, in carries and rushing yards this year. And at the end of the year, we're like, oh, wow, Marlon Mack was like a back-end RB2 this season. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you mentioned Rex Burkhead. He led the Texans in rushing last year, 427 yards. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> uh, he was their leading rusher. Had uh, three rushing touchdowns, which uh, was tied with Tyrod Taylor for the most on the team. So that uh, played like three games, right? Yeah, yeah. So like that that tells you a lot about the the Texans running game. So uh, I do think Marlon Mack has a role. Uh, I don't imagine he's going to get drafted highly, if at all, in a lot of leagues. But who knows? He may be a guy that that we're uh, kind of talking about off the waiver wire. Um, <clears throat> 
So this is a sad moment for me here. Uh, I want to pour a little bit out because Frank Gore is finally calling it quits. I always said that Gore stood for go on running eternally, but apparently uh, even Father Time catches up to Frank Gore and uh, he's going to sign a one-day contract with the 49ers, join the San Francisco front office, ending uh, what has been a really long, successful career, especially for a guy that suffered a major injury uh, early in his career, actually in college, uh, and, and was able to rebound and, and be incredibly productive, had, uh, I think, what, 12 straight years of 1,200 or more scrimmage yards, um, just uh, an incredibly durable, consistent player. I know we used to joke about, you know, Frank Gore being an RB3 well into his 50s, uh, but he's finally hanging it up. So the first question is, is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? Because I feel like this is going to be an interesting argument for the next few years. I think so. Look, I understand people say, and, and you talk about like the injury and stuff. When I started playing fantasy, Frank Gore was like the like Mr. Consistency in like the mid-2000s. It was like him and Tom Brady were the only players still left from when I first started playing <laughs> fantasy. So sad to see Frank Gore go. And I know people say, oh, he's a compiler, but he has the third most rushing yards in NFL history. Like, I think that matters. And yeah, he's a compiler, but he, he was a compiler at a position that you're usually out of the league by like your late 20s, early 30s. So hanging around until you're 37 years old. And he wasn't just like, you know, going like the, no offense to LaShawn McCoy. Like he wasn't pulling the, the shady route at the end of his career where he's like a fourth string running back who was inactive a bunch. No, like he was getting meaningful touches mm -hmm. until his final snap in the NFL. Like his final year, he had almost 200 carries. So I, I think there's something to to being able to stick around and be useful for that long that is a skill set in the NFL that not many people have. And I think that, see, that's that's my argument that I've always had for Frank Gore. And I remember having this conversation with people uh, in our newsroom, you know, probably going back to 2015, 2016, is that, yeah, I don't, I don't think you ever look at Frank Gore's career at any point and say that he was one of the, you know, three best running backs in the league. But the fact that he was so consistent that you could count on Frank Gore for a thousand rushing yards, for 1,200 scrimmage yards, year in and year out. And as you mentioned, that he did this for what, 17 years, 16 years, um, and was consistently productive. I think that speaks to his Hall of Fame credentials. So yes, he was a compiler, but as you mentioned, he was a compiler at a position where they just don't exist anymore. Um, you know, and I was, I was like going through all the guys that he's played with. Um, I think he belongs in. I just, I think he does. I just think, and I think with the way running backs are used now, we're going to see fewer and fewer running backs that have Hall of Fame type credentials. And I think we're going to look back at Frank Gore, even if he doesn't get in first ballot, which he probably won't. But I think we're going to start looking back as we get further away from his career. We're going to start looking at more running backs. We're going to be like, yeah, Frank Gore was pretty good for what he did for as long as he did. Uh, I think I think he deserves to be in Canton for it. Um, is he a fantasy Hall of Famer? It's funny. I just said he's a real life Hall of Famer. I think his case for fantasy Hall of Fame is weaker because <laughs> I, I, to me, like fantasy Hall of Fame is like you you had a stretch where you were like dominant and mm. you were and, and Frank Gore did. So I, I think for me, uh, I'm being a little bit blinded by what he's been the last like six, seven years mm. where he was more of a nuisance for fantasy players <laughs> than anything of. Um, but I think, you know, from his run, from his early part of his career, like he was consistently a top two round pick and, and he had years where he was going in the first round. So 
let, let's yeah let him in come on like why, why I, i'm one of those people who like I, I know some people are like there's a hall of very good and i'm just like hey if a guy like meets the credentials let him in. <laughs> i'm yeah i feel like because that middle part of his of his career right or that that time with san francisco where he just was consistently again 1200 yards eight to ten touchdowns um i just think the consistency but I'm with you. I feel like I feel like the case for him in the fantasy Hall of Fame is maybe a little more difficult to make. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in uh, in the fantasy Hall of Fame. It also kind of got me to to thinking though about the guys that are currently active and how many how many active players do you feel like have a strong case for the Hall of Fame? I mean, Adrian Peterson technically is is still an active player, right? And and he's for sure a lock. Um, and I'm just like looking, I mean, what I felt like Zeke might've been on a path early in his career. I, I don't know if he's there. I think Derrick Henry might be on a path potentially, uh, for the hall of fame, but I'm looking at the guys that are, that are currently active and I just don't see a lot of potential hall of famers at running back in the NFL right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the two, like, I think Derrick Henry right now, outside of Adrian Peterson, who is technically still active, like you said, I, I think he has the strongest case. Um, like, do you think, I, I know this guy isn't active, do you think like LaShawn McCoy makes it? He's someone that I go back and forth on. Maybe. I think, I think, I think he'll be an interesting case. Like, I think, I think there'll be a lot of people that argue uh, on his behalf um, because he was incredibly good for so many years. Um, so I think, I think he will get a lot of people on his behalf. I was thinking, does Lev Bell, he I Lev Bell. Those two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Even he didn't know. Even, even though he had no, he had no part of it whatsoever. <laughs> um, I don't know. Does, does Lev Bell have a case for it? He was, he was so. really good, but for a short amount of time. Like, I think Lev Bell is a hundred percent a fantasy hall of famer. Yes. But I don't think real life. I think it's like, fair. I think like you could make that case for Christian McCaffrey. Like that year McCaffrey had is one of, is the top two season of all time. Right. He's missed so much time. I, I don't think he'll he'll make it. Like Saquon, I thought had a very strong chance when he got drafted second overall, but then he's missed too much time. Like Eckler's great, but he's he's not gonna get it. I, I'm thinking no. Like Jonathan Taylor, it's easy to say right now. Like oh he he's on the path, <laughs> but like. That was Zeke a couple years ago, so let's revisit this in four or five years and see what Jonathan Taylor is at that point. I'm thinking, like, right now, no. I think we see some older guys get in who recently retired. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if McCoy, Jamal Charles, maybe. I, I think he has a case. But, like, man, it's – the position is probably not and, – and it's because of how the NFL values it now. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, look, I, I think I think Frank Gore deserves to get in. He's, as you mentioned, the third leading rusher of all time, and all the guys around him on the list are all in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, not counting Gore, the top sixteen rushers, or I guess top fifteen. I guess if you take Gore out of there, are all in the Hall of Fame, right? So I think I think he deserves to get in. Uh, Adrian Peterson, like I said, will get in uh, when when he's finally done. But after that, it might be a while before we see another running back get like legitimate consideration for, for the hall of fame. That's going to be weird. Um, by the way, uh, OJ Simpson is currently the 21st leading rusher, uh, in the NFL. He is a hall of famer. LaShawn McCoy is behind him by the 134 yards. He's 134 yards behind OJ Simpson. So 
I guess if you want to make a case. He has a lot more receiving yards. I would think he has a lot more receiving yards than OJ. Yeah. Um, so if you want to make a case for for Shady getting in, I think that's that's a strong I argument. Think we need to, I think we need to change the criteria for a running back to get in because if we're expecting them to be like the running backs from 10, 20 years ago, then no one is ever no going to get, get in again. Right. It, it might have to be like who had a best like eight, nine year stretch, something like that. Right. Instead of like who played for 15 years and finished, you know, top 10. Cause those guys just aren't going to be coming around very often. Right. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, Shady is uh, about 130 yard rushing yards behind OJ. Uh, he is about 1,700 yards, re- receiving yards ahead of OJ. <laughs> is there any, any – oh, wow. Is there a, is there any running back now? Like, if you had to pick who you think will be this generation's Frank Gore and we'll still be talking about them, like, 10-plus years now, is there any running back you think can do that? Um, I'm trying to think of, like, who who is that fantasy nuisance that hangs around on, on <laughs> rosters that's just like, uh, um. You know what? Weirdly, and he's not a fantasy nuisance. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a Leonard Fournette, right? Um, he's durable. He can run the football effectively. He catches the football well. I mean, he's he's a sturdy, well built guy who you know has generally been you know fairly injury free in his uh, in his career. Maybe maybe Leonard Fournette uh, is that guy. I know he had the he missed half the season in 2018. Um, he had some little nagging where, you know, misses a game here or there. But for the most part, he's been relatively healthy. Maybe it's Leonard Fournette. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking maybe Zeke, but I like Leonard Fournette call it probably even more than that. Yeah. Zeke, I, I, I was feeling with Fournette, like, his his salary is sort of in a range that people still think is like, everybody looks at Zeke and they're like, his contract's ridiculous, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So maybe Fournette can keep himself, like, value-priced enough to stay in the league, too. Um <laughs> Jeez. Remember Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley seemed like he was on a, a Hall of Fame trajectory too. And is he is he just done? Like I, I think I, like last done. year he was tweeting about like, you know, recovering. And I'm like, are you choosing to recover this year or did the NFL choose for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys are fortunate to retire. Most guys get retired by the league. And I just I have a sneaking suspicion that Todd Gurley may end up being retired uh, by the NFL. So uh, really sad, though, for a guy who just was so explosive so early in his career and looked like he was just going to just dominate the league for years. Uh, unfortunately, those knee injuries just, just caught up to him. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, you know, Frank Gore is uh, going to have his professional boxing debut in May as well. Um, he, <laughs> I don't remember. He, he had that amateur fight with Darren Williams, formerly of the NBA, and it did not go well for Frank. So... I, I was disappointed there because I was like, hey, we work at the NFL. I'm going to root for the NFL side. And then Frank Gore got to mo- And, man, we joked about it. There was a point in that fight where, like, it seemed like he just forgot he was fighting. And then he got <laughs> punched and was like, what just happened? Like, Gore, you've taken a lot of a lot, a of, lot of shots hits. in your life. Maybe just enjoy retirement. Yeah. Not going to I just, you know, I remember the meme of him, like, taking a punch and looking terrified. And, like, that was kind of the <laughs> meme for a, a while. So... Uh, I wish him the best, but it feels like this might not be the best career move for uh, some of these guys are just built differently, man. Like they just can't retire. Cannot. I mean, you know, I know for a lot of guys, it is about it's about the competition, man. It's about the the attention and the cheers, and uh, you know, I know for some guys, it's hard to kind of step away from that. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully, working in football will at least help keep Gore around the game and uh, 
you know, and kind of satisfy that need at least a, a little bit there. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break. We will come back. And we will talk to Emery Hunt, uh, he of the football game plan, he of the giant draft guide. We will pick his brain uh, about some of the guys uh, that we will see have their name called sometime at the end of April. So that's coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We are excited to be joined by a guy that uh, I enjoy talking to. We always talk to him around this time of year. Uh, I consider him to be the hardest working man, certainly in the draft game right now. You can find his work uh, at his own site, first of all, Football Game Plan, but you also see him uh, at CBS Sports on Sportsline, kind of all over the place this time of year. And uh, surprised that he is actually at home, because normally he is on the road uh, a lot this year, but it is the one and only Emery Hunt. Uh, Emery, always good to talk to you, man. Uh, we were talking before we started recording this thing, you you are catching your breath after what has been a, a pretty amazing draft season for you so far. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, a, a whirlwind. So it's cool to get out and just kind of like relax a little bit. Um, but you're always going to have, you know, someone asked me the other day, hey, man, I got your, your draft guide. Uh, what about this player? I'm like, bro, I did over a thousand players. You can <laughs> that's not in it. Like, what do you make? <laughs> Don't ask me about nobody right now, man. But not as cool. Sometimes you just want to take a take a step back and try to recharge the batteries. I'm, you know, I'm filling my time with the foods that built America. I love, <laughs> I love that show, um, and also with other mindless TV uh, options that I that I kind of like binge watch all the time. Um. Yeah, I mean, so you, you, you talk about the, the draft guide, and I went and picked it up, and I'm still scrolling through it, and there's, it's deep. You mentioned there's over a 1,000 guys, uh, and I laughed that you say your people come and hit you up about players that aren't in. I, to me, I look at the draft guide, and it's it's sort of like Amazon, right? Like, I look at Amazon, I'm like, if you can't find it on Amazon, you don't need it. If, if there's not a player that you can't find in this draft guide, chances are... Um, you know, look, I, I know everybody wants to work hard, but you know, chances are this guy is not necessarily going to be on the radar for anybody. Um, but I do want to ask, I mean, having scouted all this many guys, uh, just your your general takeaways on this draft class. I know people have thoughts that maybe it's not as deep offensively, that this is more of a defensive draft. Uh, after, after looking at all these guys, what are your thoughts about this year's class? It's always a deep draft for me because I tend to go deeper than most. So I'm always <laughs> going to find guys that, that can play. Um but I do feel like people are having the wrong conversation about the quarterbacks instead of looking for the Trevor Lawrence's. Hey, man, let's try to strengthen these QB2s on these NFL rosters where, you know, you don't want a situation where, let's say, for instance, a Daniel Jones gets injured and now you stuck with a bag of quarterbacks. Like, now nah, you better get someone that can at least play because we saw what they went through last year. But they upgraded their QB2 spot with a, a Tarod Taylor um, but I think that's where you can find good value at the quarterback position. But everywhere else, man, it's it's a really deep class. And the reason why the guide is as big as it is, because a lot of those guys that are in it came back to school for this season to take that extra year. So it kind of you're getting two draft classes in one, to be completely honest. So you're talking about the I, quarterbacks. Oh, real quick. I said, talk about the quarterbacks. Does, does this mean you don't see any instant impact guys in this class? I, I, I've always said this. The only guy I would take in round one is Malik Willis. 
because he has the traits that you gamble on. You know, he's fast, he's mobile, he has upside still, only a two-year starter, so to speak, has a, the rocket arm. He's the the he's a supercharged version of Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. Now, with that being said, the one guy that I do feel like, and I've said this since Ben, the one guy that is, you know, ready to step in right now and play is Desmond Ritter, because he's played a lot of games, started a lot of games, started some big games, you know. You know, conference championship games, playoff game or, or two. So this is where you want to. This is the guy that can, let's say, take over a team that is a stable quarterback away, i.e. the Giants. That will be a situation where a Desmond Ritter can go and play um, because they have talent or a Carolina Panthers where you look at all of the options. They have a receiver, tight end, running back, defense is young and athletic. They got better as the season went on. They need someone that to not turn the ball over and to drive the bus. That's a Desmond Ritter. You know, I'm not saying take him at six. You know, I'm saying that's someone that if you took him round two and let, you know, like an Andy Dalton and let him be a starter, I'm fine with that. But yeah, this the only one guy would gamble with the first round pick, and that's Malik Willis. And and it's funny you mentioned Desmond Ritter because he was going to be the other quarterback outside of Malik Willis I was going to ask you about because. He's got size, speed, arm strength. It just feels like he's getting overlooked for like Kenny Pickett and, and Matt Corral and those guys. Like no one's really talking about Ritter. And I watch him and I'm like, this guy seems like the most pro ready. Like if anyone makes a year one impact of these quarterbacks, do you think it's him? I think so. And I compared his game to Marcus Mariota. You know, he's just someone that that can help you out as a runner. You know, he's a he's a plus one there. Um, he's making good throws at the intermediate level of the field. That's where the NFL game is is usually played. Uh, we're all wild by the deep throws, but I feel like that can come in time. But as long as you're winning at the short intermediate level, you're moving the football down the field. And because he had to play at a program like Cincinnati that was constantly fighting for respect, he's not afraid of pressure. You know, to go into Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame, to go into Georgia last year in that bowl game, they should have won that game last year against Georgia um, in in the in the uh, Peach Bowl. So. He is he's battle tested. And when you're battle tested, that's the quarterback that I would rather have starting right away, as opposed, you know, to someone that has had it easy all throughout his career. You know, and there's many quarterbacks that you can point to in a, as an example. But for someone like Ritter that's battle tested, I think he's more apt to start right away and handle the program. I'm not saying he's the he's not a, a high ceiling guy, um, but he's someone can stabilize your franchise and play complimentary football uh, rather well. I, I kind of wanted him to go to Washington before they signed or traded for a Carson Wentz because Washington is another situation where you just had a bus driver, you'll be fine. <laughs> I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it feels though like the the consensus is sort of caught up to this. I mean, you talk about Malik Willis maybe being the only guy you would you would take in the first round and I'm starting to see more and more mock drafts where you only have maybe one quarterback or even no quarterbacks taken in the first round which feels sort of weird because it feels like we always try to talk ourselves into a couple of quarterbacks going high uh are you feeling that are you sensing that people are sort of on board with like the idea that this class doesn't have any big time you know transformational stars in it I'm slowly sort of change you know how people think (laughs) <laughs> you notice now, you know, at first it was, oh, he's too small. Now everybody's starting to buy into the, the, the you know, the Emory Hunt size is not a skill. It's great. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, school, you know, so people start to buy into that. So maybe they start to buy into this part too, where, man, how about we just make the entire 53 good 
Therefore, we could fail-proof the roster for a quarterback. And if we get a quarterback that can just play complimentary football, not turn the ball over, the Bengals are a great example of that when they had Andy Dalton. Look at all the talent that Andy Dalton had at his disposal, and they were constantly in the playoffs, winning 10 games, getting into the playoffs, right? And so if you have the best 53, because here's a secret. I don't care how talented you are. No one player is that good. Barry Sanders couldn't get the team to the Super Bowl. You know, Bo Jackson couldn't get the Raiders to the Super Bowl. You know, you need a team. And so when we put all our eggs in this basket of the quarterback is going to be the difference, Dan Marino only got to one Super Bowl. You know, so we need a full roster of dudes that can play. And if you have a good roster, the quarterback can, you know, you can withstand a, you know, a quarterback that's kind of baseline because you kind of want and people will probably hear this the wrong way. If you, I feel like at worst, every quarterback should be Kirk Cousins. He is like the baseline NFL average, right? That's what you should draft when you're drafting a quarterback. It shouldn't be below the Kirk, uh, you know, the Kirk Cousins line or what was in baseball it's the Mendoza line, right? It be below <laughs> the Kirk Cousins line. Everything else should be above that. And so with, with quarterbacks, I feel like we have to get out that mindset of looking at these guys as as game changers. Yeah, there are going to be a few, but even those few need a team around. Them. And if you're a quarterback, you should be trying to make Kirk Cousins money. That's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but uh, we, we often hear like when targeting a quarterback, when teams are deciding, they they look to next year's class as well. I know we're here to talk about this year, but like, how is next year's class going to be? Because there's a lot of teams that I think could be in the market for it that already have multiple first-round picks next year. Yeah, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it, right? Um, <laughs> as much as people talk about next year's class, hey, man, listen, uh, you know, Bryce Young is good, but it, is he really that that difference maker, or are we just saying that because he quarterbacks at Alabama? Mm-hmm. You know, Stroud, people hated Stroud early in the year, and now they love him, you know? These are the same folks that told us Spencer Rattler and DJ Uyunglele would be, you know, clear cut one and two. And, and look at those two guys. So you never really know, um, especially with college football, the way it is nowadays, you don't really know until uh, a guy can stack, you know, consecutive good seasons. So I would say the only thing that we have right now is the present. Don't look for next year. Always focus on what you can do this year because those that are in charge now won't probably be picking <laughs> next year. So you can't go look ahead. You got to look at the present and how you can make this team better for this year. Yeah, I think that's key too, right? A lot of the guys who are making decisions this year, a lot of them won't be around next year <laughs> to make these same these same choices. Um, I want to turn to the, the wide receivers now because there's been a lot of talk, especially the guys at the top, right? I mean, the, the Garrett Wilsons, Chris Olaves, Drake Londons. Uh, you went in the draft, and I mean, you broke these down. I mean, you've got you know you've got your flankers, you've got your split ends, you've got you know a, a number of different categories. Um, First of all, I mean, what, what made you decide? How did you decide to split that up? And, and how much does it translate? Because some guys can do both. So how do you determine like wh- how guys get slotted into to which categories? You know, it's fascinating because I remember when I first started doing this, you know, you just grade and rank. But, you know, people always have, you know, maybe it's with social media, everybody wants to argue. So even though you may have this guy as like wide receiver 15, how could you have him at wide receiver 15? Well, it's like, I mean, but they got the same grade. Like, it's like 15 first-round picks, right? And it's like, man, it's, you know, like he said, a first-round pick. It's just, so it's, you know what? Let me break this up because ideally, you're not going to ask Cole Beasley to pay, play the same role as Randy Moss because they play two different positions. 
So let's grade this like how an NFL team probably would view it. Um, and so I broke it up into those four positions to where now guys can feel now you can kind of explain why guys may, you know, slot different than than others. So, yeah, some guys can play all four. And I make sure to make a note of that where guys can play all three, kind of like with linebacker. You kind of play all three positions um, or corner. You can play both sides. Some guys can even play in the slot. And and so you, you just want to have, you know, people see the game how they see it on Sunday. You know, you you know what a slot receiver is. You know what your your number one is. That's your X. And you know a guy that that really is your your playmaker, so to speak, which could be your flanker or your Z receiver, someone that can really just fly and take the top off a of defense. So you, you explain it that way and people start to see it like, OK, now I get it. Um, yeah, he's a number one slot guy. That's a guy I want to play slot. And so when you grade it that way, it makes your job easier. And a lot of times you're just grading it. Uh, you grade the player first and then you slot them in which position because you may find that not all slot guys are five, nine, five, ten. You may have a, a, a dope six, three slot slot guy. You know, someone, let's say someone like a Keenan Allen could be a, a tremendous slot receiver if he chose to. Don't tell Cole Beasley that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how many, I mean, when you look at this group, I mean, how many guys do you see first rounds? I, you know, I, I feel like there's what, three, four of my guys that, that I feel like have legit first round grades. Do you see that more or less? How are you feeling? I, I see about three to four. Mm-hmm. And, and with the draft, it's always interesting because you, um, you, you know, there's going to be a run on a certain position, you know, so this year may be a run on tackles or corners or, you know, D lineman, so that'll push a position down. But I, I feel like we can, you know, say definitive, definitively that there are three to four first round receivers. Uh, I feel like Olave is a lock. I feel like, um, you know, Drake London is a lock. I also feel like someone like, um, you know, people say Jameson Williams. To me, that's a, a little bit of a wild card because. The ACL. I know we just. I know we want to compare everyone to Adrian Peterson, you know, and him coming back like Wolverine and 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 being exactly like he was prior to an ACL injury, late in the season, no less. Um, but everybody's not like that. So I feel like we can get you know those guys in those Ohio State guys. Wilson is another one. I feel like is is destined for a first round. Um, and Christian Watson could be the other one. He you know he's making a, a charge. Uh, based off, you know, him checking all those boxes, height, weight, speed, and his play down at the Senior Bowl in conjunction with what he did at North Dakota State. So I do feel like three, maybe four are definite going in the first round. Um, and there's always going to be a surprise. And my surprise would probably be George Pickens going in the first round. You, you named a lot of receivers and you did not mention Traylon Burks, who uh, I know what, some that's people. Like, See, yeah, yeah, him too. Because, again, you just be like, how could you not miss a trade? But you're right. Burks is another one. But I don't see Burks. I see Burks as a slot guy. But Burks is someone that um, I know, I'm, you know, I made a joke tweet about the other day that there's more than five quarterbacks in trailing Burks in this draft class, um, you know, that people need to talk about. But Burks is someone that that he plays football how you want someone to play football. Um, he's probably the A.J. Brown of this of this class and how he's built and how he plays um definitely can go in the first round and people i know want to slot him to green bay but if you look at green bay's roster if you're not long and slim 
you're not going to be on Green Bay's roster as a wide receiver. They have a type. They clearly have a type. You know, Tennessee would be more likely to get Traylon Burks than Green Bay would. So, you know, I, I do see, you know, three to four. But, yeah, Burks is a, a one that I love as a football player. And if you I, – I know landing spot matters, but if you were to guess right now of these receivers, which one has the biggest year one impact, who would you go with? Mm, that's a good question. Um, London out of USC. Um, I feel like London, when you watch him, and USC made no bones about it. Like, hey, man, you're our best offensive player. <laughs> like, we're getting you to football. <laughs> like, we're throwing snap, throw. Like, don't waste time and do something. Like, um, and, and that's what he does. So I feel like he could win short, he could w- win intermediate, and he could win deep down the field. And I know uh, I've made this comparison or this this talking point when people bring up his separation. Well, he doesn't really get separation or like, bro, he probably was open four seconds before the quarterback. <laughs> act- <laughs> you know, before you know, this dude finally decide, OK, let me go see what London over there doing. By that time, he covered, you know, and so you got to realize he's also playing with uh, inconsistent quarterbacks, too. So it kind of hurts uh, the receiver perception, but he can win at all levels of the field. And I do feel like he's someone that can step in and be a, a day one starter as your, as your ex, as your split and as your bona fide number one. See, I am, I am a notorious USC homer. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to not talk up Drake London. Cause I, you know, I'm trying to like, try to be objective here. So I'm glad that you said all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I will tell you watching the Trojans this past year, it was, it was, it was frustrating a lot of times. And when London got hurt, I think we all just sort of threw up our hands and realized that, you know, whatever little hope we had for the season probably went with him at that point. So, uh, it just, it warms my heart to hear you talk up, uh, talk up Drake London like that. But, um, I want to ask you, you, what part of why we want to have you on a part of why we like talking to you is because you are not, you know, you are not going to ever be accused of groupthink, right? You're not going to be that guy that goes on everybody else. Explain to me why Ja'Shawn Corbin is your number one running back. I, I'm glad you brought him up because people look at, um, position differently and and again having played that position i i look at it a little bit from the other side of the coin from a different perspective right it's all about which angle you're coming from and and for me um you watch deshaun corbin and his vision his footwork and the most important thing his elusiveness is what makes him a difference maker and you know, the, the last time I checked, the game is about not being tackled if you're an offense. <laughs> and this dude does a great job of being elusive. And when you're combining that with, you know, his burst and the, the ability to see it, there's things that, you know, that certain runners, you know, tend to do, right? Um, and, like, we all can see it. Like, for instance, if we're running front side, right, and – and I see the I see the, the the linebacker like fast flowing over to where I am, and I see the cutback lane. But the way my athleticism is set up, I I can't get backside like <laughs> these fast darty guys can. So I got to keep it play side, right? Mm-hmm. But this dude can see it. You know, he has that hammerhead shark periphery. You know, he's gonna <laughs> see it and get backside. Like man, I wish I had his level of you know footwork and his his explosiveness and his vision. And when you get him into a situation where it's a, a tight box in terms of like a phone booth, you know, he can make that guy miss while making moves going downhill. So it's almost very, it's very Kareem Hunt-like. It's very Chase Edmonds-like. Um, 
And, you know, I was sitting there. We all watched that that North uh, Notre Dame, Florida State game. Oh, wow, this is a dude that had a 90-yard touchdown run. Why isn't he touching the football the rest of the game? You know, and so that's probably why he didn't put up these monster numbers. People forget he played at Texas A&M. He was really good at Texas A&M, too, before he transferred. Uh, to me, it's just a combination of footwork, vision, elusiveness. Because when you're elusive, you have the footwork, you could be your own blocker. You know, so you can essentially set guys up two to three yards down the field and then make that guy miss. You're already working on the next guy. Um, and he just has that that good combination that I think he'll be, you know, and I hate saying this, but I think he'll be a much better pro than he was in college. So I, I like the, the 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 collection of traits that he brings to the table. I, I know he's not your RB1. Brees Hall is your RB3, but many people think he's going to be the first running back selected in this year's draft. I'm wondering who he reminds you of and what we should expect from him in year one. And it's not because he wears, you know, 28, but sometimes it's hard to ignore the the the, the one-to-one comp. But he's very Curtis Martin-like, you know, like he, he has a good run style. Uh, he runs behind his pads, uh, good burst. You know, he kind of runs a little stiff. He's a little high, a little leggy in terms of how he runs. Um, so that makes his cutbacks not as, as clean or crisp, but he sees it and he's able to make the big play when the team needs the big play. And if we're being completely honest, when you play Iowa State, you're worried about Brees Hall and you're worried about, you know, Charlie Kohler, the tight end, you know, and that's it. You stop those who you essentially stop uh, anything they try to do offensively. And I think he's he's someone that is a really good foundational back. And to me, that that means it's someone that could be your starter that can handle 20 carries that you don't really take off the field. And, you know, so for me, him and Isaiah Spiller and, and Zamir White are those type guys to where you could just lean on um, and, and let them spearhead your run game, close out a game, or even just, you know, put a team away, uh, let's say, in, in with, with a four-minute offense type of approach. But I, I am a big fan of Brees Hall. Has Have you changed how you scout running backs over the last few years? Because obviously the NFL uses them differently. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um we don't see a lot of true workhorse. You know, sure, we have Jonathan Taylor, right? And we've got Derrick Henry when he's healthy. Those guys don't really exist in large numbers anymore. It's a lot more teams using two and three running backs. Has that changed how you sort of scout guys at the college level? A little bit. And, and you know, it's a, it's a legit question and a good one because, you know, you can't – I can't look at um, the, the game the same way it was – you know, in, in 1999 or the same way it was in 1989, you have to really adjust. And I was easily making that change with quarterbacks, right? You know, with how I viewed quarterbacks, that was all, I was always on the other side of, Oh, you got to look at it this way. This is what the league is missing out on, but running backs because of probably my close ties to the position is, was a little bit slow in terms of making that transition. So now, yeah, you have to be able to, you know, catch the football, number one. Um, you have to be able to be at least competent in pass pro. You know, you don't have to be a you know a guard out there, but you can't just <laughs> keep getting run over, right? You know, so <laughs> you have to be competent and um, you have to do more with, with less. And I used to be hung up on, oh, you can get this guy the football 25 to 30 times a game. Like, yo, that's not going to happen in no offense. Um, can you do more with less? Are you a guy that needs volume? If you're a guy that needs volume, I'm pushing you down my, my list. Kind of like I, I wasn't as high on 
or Jordan Howard juxtaposed to me being high on to Rick Cohen. Mm. You know, a guy like Cohen will probably give you more bang for your buck because he can do more <clears> with less, uh, as opposed to a guy like Howard that really needs to get rolling to get going, get productive. Um, but you have to be able to to be able to, to to you know strike when your number is called. Um, you can't use the excuse, oh, I need to get a couple more carries to get into a groove. You have to be able to do it when you can. And and that's how I've mainly adjusted how I viewed the position in terms of you know what type of backs are working in the NFL level. And you you brought up Tariq Cohen. When I first met you, Emery, you were you were banging the table for him when no one had even heard the name Tariq Cohen before. <laughs> so is there a prospect or two like that that in this class that you're like, this guy is gonna be good and the rest of the world just doesn't know it yet? Man, that's 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 a great one. Um, I probably would say I feel like everybody now is watching a lot more football, so it's hard for me to pluck, you know, someone. But I will say Jaquez Ezzard out of Sam Houston. You know, we all sat around for two years and, you know, we're sitting inside with COVID and, you know, we all watched FCS in the spring and Sam Houston and Jaquez Ezra was just lighting up defenses. And I've seen him at Howard because I, I broadcast some games for Howard. Right. And so when he was at Howard, you know, he was <laughs> I remember they played. I want to say it was South Carolina. State. that's why I first got uh, hip to Brian Cook because he was also on that team playing defense that he's playing safety. Um, but just like the first play of the game against South Carolina State, we had just did a whole thing on leading up into the opening kickoff, South Carolina State's defense, and they've done this. And, you know, Buddy Pugh's defense, first play of the game as a seven-yard touchdown. It's like, joke. Like, that's just true. Everything we talked about out the window. Um, but he goes to Sam Houston, and he he is someone, and this is another thing that I hate saying, but, I you know, but it is what it is. If you're looking for the next Debo Samuel, you know, so <laughs> run game, um, that's Ezard. And he has a, a great sense of timing, too. I was at the NFL PA game, and every time you look up, he was just blowing past corners. Um, and then he gets a call up to the Senior Bowl. First practice there, he's deep down the field, you know, leaving a corner in the dust. Uh, so he's someone that's going to make an impact on offense. He, I called him the next Steve Smith in my draft guide. Uh, with how well he is. He's a physical guy. He's about 5'9", about he's a muscular 195, um, and he could run. And and so he has good agility, so he's going to help out on special teams, number one. But that's someone that I think will, you know, he, he will be an impact player within the offense because he's dangerous uh, with the football. When you're looking at guys, how much do you factor in measurables, you know, combine drills, pro day drills versus just what you watch on tape. And I, I say that because I, I woke up this morning and I checked my Twitter timeline and I see a bunch of people raving about Jelani Woods, uh, the tight end at Virginia, who apparently put out some, you know, has some really great measurables. People are getting really, really excited about this guy. And like, I know his career was, was nice. It wasn't, you know, st statistically wasn't spectacular at Virginia. So, you know, when you see these guys who test really, really well, uh, you know, do you, does that make you rethink what you saw or are you just kind of confident? Like, I know what I saw and this is what I believe in. Yeah. That part, you have to trust what you see because that's the actual player. Um, we all like to think in terms of, you know, potential and, and what that could mean. Like, Oh, this tight end is six, seven. Yeah. Well, the tight end at Nebraska is six, eight Austin Allen. You know, and so so you could have we could have if that was the case, we'd have more basketball players playing tight end in the NFL because you just throw it up to them and they'll catch everything. We know that's not the case because some guys, you know, while they may test athletically, it may not apply to the football field. And while guys, you know, may 
play ridiculously fast, you know, ridiculously quick and agile. They may not test that way. And so you can't get caught up. That's why I try to have my my draft guide and draft thoughts done before the combine this year was different because we had the uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl thrown in the middle of February. So it took a week away <laughs> from, you know, me just breaking down prospects post all-star game circuit. And I really had to, you know, add those hundred players into the guide. And so I try to have that done before because you don't want as much as we say it can influence. I mean, when you see someone run a four or two, it's just like, man, you know, it's hard to, you know, you look back, you're like, man, I had a speed at, at 78, but he just ran a four or two. That's going to look dumb. Like, man, am I missing something, right? But you got to you gotta stay true to what you saw on film. He may run 4-2, but does he play 4-2? There, there's also a debate in fantasy a lot of the times, like a player's talent versus, like, opportunity. So in the draft part of it, we, we know, like, like, you do all the scouting and you do great work, but how important then is landing spot for a player, both for development and, and opportunity immediately? Like, does that change how you feel about a prospect, or do you just trust what you see on tape? No, that, and that's a great point because fantasy is completely different. And, you know, being involved in fantasy um, and trying to merge the two, you know, uh, evaluations and fantasy and how it applies has been, you know, been transition for me. Um, prime example, like, you know, the talent. I was telling everybody about uh, Deontay Harris, right? The small receiver out of assumption. Dude looked like he was playing in fast forward on film. But if he doesn't go to New Orleans, you know, does he get the opportunity? You know, with Sean Payton is trying to give, you know, put that guy in position. It took him a while to finally put him on the field in the slot as a receiver and not just use him as a return guy. Um, and we saw what him and Jameis was able to do. So, yeah, I may have my evaluations and, you know, that's separate from the fit. So if this guy, let's say someone like Deshaun Corbin, lands with uh, a, a team or a coach that, that really wants to, that's still old school in his thinking of running the football right down the A-gap, put a fullback in front of you, and and you better be able to, to you know, be like Ron Dane. Well, that's not his game, you know, so it's going to make your evaluation look like it's not worth it, worth the damn, but is that really an indictment on your evaluation or that's a fit issue? And we saw this a lot with uh, – I remember people talking about um, Chase Edmonds. I'm like, no, Chase Edmonds, ball coming out of Fordham. This is a good guy, blah, blah, blah. He goes to the Cardinals. They already had uh, David Johnson. I wasn't the big David Johnson guy. And when he finally gave Edmonds the, 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 you know, the carries, he was producing. Then they bring in um, another David Johnson-like person um, and hand him the football because, they, uh, you know, for whatever reason, people just love big backs crashing to everybody. So – that's, that's what everybody likes. So now he goes to Miami, and as much as you like the talent, you know Miami's probably going to end up drafting another running back, too, to pair with him. That doesn't mean your evaluation of the player you know, was off. It just means that the usage and the fit just isn't working. So if you look at, like I may have, say, Corbin number one, um, but if he goes somewhere where I know he's not going to get utilized and people are going to say, well, who's your top fantasy back this year? it'll probably be somebody else. But they say, well, you had Corbin number one. Yeah, but look where he landed. You know what I'm saying? Football <laughs> Siberia. It's not going it's not gonna work out for him. So basically I'm I'm hearing if Deshaun Corbin goes to like the Seahawks and Pete Carroll tries to 
just you know run them up the up the gut. That's just not gonna it's not gonna work out. So. Not gonna, I'm glad you brought up that. Right <laughs> that, that year, I want to I want to say I had Rashad Penny was my RB two, right? Because mm-hmm. that year it was Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. So and I was worried about Nick Chubb ever regaining that that true explosiveness because of the knee injury, mm-hmm. you know. And so I had Nick Chubb as a second round talent, seventy seven grade, right? So and I had Penny I think as an eighty or eighty one. He goes to Seattle. I'm like. They took him in the first round. This is perfect. <laughs> All of a sudden, he'd rather give the football to, you know, I was like, what, what, is, what is this? Like, <laughs> like, why take the dude in the first round if you're going to give it to this dude that just run to the back of the guards? <laughs> and so, finally, he's starting to pr- uh, produce, and now it's like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I told y'all about <laughs> but you got to sit back and just, you know, smoke that L and like, man, the dude wouldn't get you. <laughs> so, it's like, like whatever, man. Well, I'm I'm glad we got to give you space to take a victory lap here because like I don't I don't <laughs> mind it. So I'm I'm glad you got that opportunity. Uh, Emery, we always appreciate you, man. Always appreciate talking to you. Uh, I got the draft guide. It is a beast. I'm probably gonna be going through it from now until the draft. But for folks mm-hmm. who, who haven't gotten hip to it yet, man, where can they find it? You can find the largest draft guide in draft guide history uh, at FootballGamePlan.com/slash/2022DraftGuide. Uh, again, over a thousand individual scouting reports. We're not cheap. We're not faking the funk where we talk about a hundred guys and list nine nine hundred guys. No, everyone that's in the book has an individual scout report. Footballgameplan.com slash twenty twenty two draft guide. Cool, man. We well, appreciate it. Uh, rest up because you know the draft is coming. Enjoy the foods that built America or whatever else is going to occupy your time. But uh, man, we appreciate it and uh, look forward to, to catching up with you again sometime soon. Always a pleasure, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again to Emory Hunt for his time. Be sure to check him out uh, on Twitter. I didn't uh, mention this, but check him out on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, that is his handle there. Uh, and if you haven't already, go pick up the draft guide. It is absolutely worth the money. It is beefy. You and I were texting about how hefty this thing is. Not only how hefty it is, but the fact that, you know, as we mentioned, he is not a slave to group thing. You will see guys ranked highly that maybe you've never heard of before. These haven't heard talked about a whole lot. I mean, uh, this thing is comprehensive man yeah and, and that's what i love about emory like he'll have a guy like in his top five then i'm like wait i haven't even heard of this name Don't know who he is, and, right. and, and he is the the back like the reason to back it up and then you read what he wrote and you're like oh that makes sense right exactly so i mean there have been guys where it's like hey i don't know who this guy is um but emory wrote him up like let me go watch him a little bit let me go check him out and see uh see what there is to see there so uh so again thanks to him for uh, for coming on always appreciate talking to him and uh if you don't follow him already you should because uh, it will make you smarter especially when it comes to this draft stuff in the meantime that'll do it for this edition of the nfl fantasy football podcast stay happy safe and healthy do good and live well and we'll talk to you next week 